Welcome to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz, a candid conversation as we learn about types of dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, frontal temporal, and Lewy body, and the effects on the people we love. Jill's years of dedication and experience help you adapt, overcome obstacles, and find positive outcomes. It's time for Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Hey, I hope you all are doing great today. Wow, time's flying. We're almost a quarter of a way through 2022. You know, I got to thinking this last couple of days because I have so many clients that have what we call comorbidities, meaning there are additional issues with whatever their diagnosis is. They could have a heart problem. They could have lung problems. They could have um, vascular issues, you know, just all kinds of things like that. And sometimes on top of whatever the dementia disease is, um, people can have other diseases. And I mean, they could be relatively minor stuff, you know, like having the flu. I won't call COVID minor. COVID's not minor. But like other serious illnesses. And they might not be able to tell you they're in pain. I mean, even if they are able to tell you that, um, they may not be able to express it at the depth that it is or the level that it is. Uh, they may be neglecting their own bodies. They could have cuts, bruises, broken bones, and have that have that go unnoticed. I mean, it happens all the time. I knew a family that had uh, their mom have a fall in the care community they were in. She had a broken hip, and the staff didn't know it. You know, ordinarily I would be kind of critical of that staff, but stuff like that can happen. So people sometimes will have a tendency to sleep a lot. They sleep during the day. They're sitting in chairs for long periods of time watching TV. Um, They could develop pressure sores. They could have um, just aches and pains. They could have arthritis. There's so many things that could have their physical health declining. And when that happens, it's so difficult for a non-medical person to assess the situation and figure out what has happened. Did they slip on the ice? We're in winter in a lot of places in the world, right? Um, Did they fall down the stairs? Did they hit their head? Did they get out of bed and were feeling maybe dizzy, blood pressure issues? Could people be experiencing sort of a dullness, uh, you know, a lack of sharpness when you're talking to them? That can happen a lot when they're sick. And and these these issues are much, much worse when the person has 
some type of dementia disease. And it can cause a lot of additional problems. I mean, people that, that are in situations like that are really vulnerable to having more serious illnesses, to um, just be struggling a little bit more with things that wouldn't be as big a deal overall if, if they were okay. So how do we look at these? What do we do? How do we deal with them? It's really, really hard when their confusion and their behavioral symptoms are worsening. We might see a delirium, a lack of good brain function, um, when they have something like like the flu, a minor cold, pneumonia, heart trouble, could be a reaction to medications. And it could look like whatever the dementia is, is suddenly so much worse. Right? And if you are trying to check and and look for signs of illness or injury and and you're not seeing them but you think that maybe they seem more angry, they seem more confused and things like that, call the doctor. Bring it to the attention of the doctor and let them know that you're seeing something going on that just doesn't feel quite right. Because the people who can't express themselves aren't going to be able to answer your questions like, how do you feel? Can you tell me on a scale of 1 to 10 how sore you are? Um, does it feel like something's popping in your knee or your wrist or whatever it is? They often can't answer that. Does your head hurt? Do you have a headache? And even if they can express themselves well, especially if they are still very conversive, talking a mile a minute, that could just be a function of the the temporal lobe having them having persistent talking, but that doesn't mean it's going anywhere. It doesn't mean it's going to help you get to the bottom of whatever the problem is. Because they're not, in most cases, going to be able to recognize or or express to you how sick they are or that they are in pain. They might not even be able to tell you where the problem is. They can't tell the difference between something that's serious and something that's minor. And even if they told you that they had a problem, they may not remember that they told you that they had a problem, and we go down around and around in this vicious circle, Right? So even when you're trying to reassure them um, that you're going to get to the bottom of it, that you're going to try and figure out what's making them sick, 10 minutes later, they may tell you they're not sick at all. That arm doesn't hurt at all. That leg doesn't hurt at all. And you have to take these things seriously. You have to. Because if you let a bone that is broken heal incorrectly, they're going to just have a ton of pain with that over time. They'll develop arthritis in it. 
if they have a UTI, they can get really angry. They can yell at you. They can hit you. They can scream at you. They can cry a lot. They just seem like somebody else. When that happens, the first thing I would do is check for a UTI. Call the doctor and see if you can get some kind of a test because you can fix that pretty easily and you can move on from it pretty easily and get that nice, kind, gentle person back, right? And it's super important that you have a physician that you can call who is gentle with that person, who's understanding their condition. Um, if you have a neurologist, call the neurologist. A lot of times general practitioners don't have a clue about Alzheimer's or various dementias and won't be quite as helpful. You need somebody who's going to be able to properly evaluate whatever that medical condition is, whatever the problem is. And don't let that doctor dismiss you thinking that you don't know what you're talking about. Ask them to investigate. Ask them to figure out what's going on. And don't let them dismiss the person that has the diagnosis just because they're senile or because they're old. We still need to have those infections treated and we need to have that person diagnosed so that we can relieve whatever symptoms they are and and try to eliminate or mitigate the issues of them being vulnerable to delirium because that is not fun. It is not fun to deal with. And I don't care how bad or how minor it is, even a common cold, get it checked out. Because... A lot of times, like in nursing homes, care communities, and things like that, um, that illness can spread to the next person and the next person and the next person, and it happens all the time. And you need to advocate aggressively for your person no matter where they are, if they're at home or if they are in a care community. Now, some of the things that you can look for are just, you know, like suddenly a really abrupt worsening of whatever their behavior is. If they're refusing to do things that they would ordinarily do, like take a bath or a shower or come down and eat dinner or lunch with you, um, are they running a fever? Do they have a temperature over 100 degrees? And when you are trying to take a temperature... Use one of those fast thermometers, the one that you put to your forehead and it um, tells immediately what the person's temperature is. That way you don't have to try and put it in their mouth or have them bite down on it and break a, a thermometer or something like that. You can use an ear thermometer if you have to. Um, you can get those in drugstores. They're a little bit expensive, but they are worth it because it is a lot less hassle than trying to put something underneath somebody's tongue. <laughs> you don't want a confused person biting on a glass thermometer. I promise you, you do not. Okay. Um, a lot of times we have uh, like Walgreens and places like that that aren't even selling them anymore because there's mercury in them and people will bite down on them. Mm-hmm. So 
Even if they don't have a significant fever, even if it's not like really, really bad, still, if they have a fever, check it out. Look at their face. Are they, are they red? Is their face red? Do they seem like they're hot? Do they look pale? Do their eyes look sort of jaundicey? Are they, are their eyes yellow or anything like that? Check for things like that. And we all learned when we were younger how to take somebody's pulse. Never do it with your thumb. Your thumb has nerving, nerve endings in it that can give your own reading plus their reading. So you do it with your uh, forefinger or the middle finger. And you want to take a pulse and see if they are over 100. And if if it they haven't just done any exercise, if they haven't done anything that's going to um, make their their heart rate jump up or their oxygen level jump up that high, typically a person should be between like 60 and 100 beats per minute. So you can count how many for 10 seconds and then multiply that by six and you'll get your answer. So you don't have to hold their hand for a whole 60 seconds anymore, their wrist any, that long anymore. You can also check it on their neck. That's sometimes better than their wrist. I think I think the general consensus is to count for 20 seconds and multiply by three, whatever. Do it for 10 seconds, multiply by six. Same difference, right? You're splitting it. <laughs> half and half. Other things you can look for are, are they having diarrhea? Are they vomiting? Are they unable to keep food down? Um, are they dehydrated? We see a lot of problems when people are dehydrated. That's a simple fix. Give them some water. I mean, seriously. That can impact whether or not they have elasticity in their skin. If they are, if you, if you touch their arm and it does, and it doesn't bounce, you know, it doesn't like take a second or two to bounce back um, into its normal place, then they are dehydrated. You want to make sure that people have good, moist skin why is that important? Because you can have skin breakdown and skin tears that will bleed forever. So if they have dry or pale skin or their skin looks, you know, just kind of whitish or you touch them and it doesn't it doesn't feel like it moves easily, you you feel like it's really dry and kind of uh tense or something like that. That's a problem with with being hydrated. So really look at those kinds of things and try to only give them half of their body weight in water per day because if you give them more than that, they'll be up all night going to the bathroom and quit giving people drinks around 7 p.m. so that they don't struggle with things like that or having leaking issues or they sneeze or they laugh about something and they wet their pants. Things like that can happen a lot. Um, other things you can look for is have them smile at you and show 
you their gums, their teeth and gums. It should be pink. Their gums should be pink. You shouldn't be able to see dry, pale gums or even sores in their mouth. Um, that could be maybe why they're not eating. They could be struggling with having a bad tooth or a sore from a denture or something like that. So those are, you know, just easy ways to look at their mouth. Are, are their gums nice and pink or are they really pale? This could lead you to understanding maybe why they're struggling. And if they're refusing, you know, drinks or fluids or milkshakes or something like that, that's a big deal. If they don't want to drink anything, something could be seriously wrong. They could have organs that are shutting down that are not functioning properly. You have to let a doctor know about stuff like that. Okay? And always, always, always look for increased drowsiness, the irritability I was talking about. They seem like maybe they, they're they a different person. They're not acting like themselves. They're not as happy. They seem down. They seem depressed. <clears throat> there are drugs that they could give them temporarily to help with that. We could increase their activity throughout the day. There's a lot of different ways that we can address those kinds of issues. So don't let them just sit and, and fester. It's important that we we look at these and make note of them and then let the doctor know as soon as you can. How about headaches? Are they are they grabbing their head? Are they holding their head? Are they holding their jaw? Does their neck seem like it's stiff? Are they scowling a little bit? <clears throat> you know, maybe having a you can see in their brow that they're kind of pulling their their eyes close together or or squinting or something like that that could tell you that they're having a headache. Moaning. Every time they turn around, oh, oh, what's the matter? I don't know. What's the matter? I don't know. So look and see if they're grabbing any particular place on their body. Are they touching a shoulder and rubbing it? Are they grabbing their knee and and you know, massaging it a little bit? Are they are they moving their foot around like they're doing dexterity exercises or something that could give you a clue that 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 hurts? Is it a hip issue or what have you? Pay attention to what they're touching and what their um, – where their movements are or if they're a little slow getting up. It could be leg issues. It could be a lower back issue. And if you see them falling – you really need to report that. That falling is a neurological issue. It's not per se an a limb issue. It's not it's not their feet, it's not their legs, it's not them not walking correctly. Your motor skills are in a band from ear to ear. And a lot of times when somebody is dealing with a dementia disease, their motor skills are affected. And I hate to tell you this, but generally that's in the later stages when we start seeing someone having additional falls. It could be because they get up and, and have dizziness or what have you, but more often than not, 
it's an issue with their motor skills. So it's incredibly important to talk to a doctor about that. If they're having anything like seizures or convulsions or something like that, that's a whole nother ball game. It could be neurological, but those need to be reported right away. Never wait if if somebody is is having some type of a seizure or a convulsion. That could that could be indicative of something really serious going on. I'm not a doctor. I can't tell you what that is, but it could be a really big issue. <clears throat> How about hallucinations? What are hallucinations? Well, hallucinations are audible. They're visual. They can uh, they affect a lot of the senses. Smelling. Um, if they are smelling fire or something like that or seeing smoke in a room that doesn't have it, um, if they are seeing people or dogs, cats um, that are not there, nobody else can visually see them, those um, could be also very indicative of maybe a different diagnosis or a mixed diagnosis. I've talked about that a lot of times. So if we're Dealing with problems like that, <clears throat> and we never had them before, and somebody has had a, had a diagnosis of Alzheimer's, I think it would be worth letting a doctor know because that generally is more connected to Parkinson's or Lewy body than it is Alzheimer's. And there are different drugs in the later stages that work better for Lewy body than um, they do for Alzheimer's, or we wouldn't use them at all for Alzheimer's. So having hallucinations tells the doctors that there's something else going on. And there are drugs like Nuplazid that can affect an area of the brain not connected to serotonin. They used to give um, drugs to people that would affect the serotonin in the brain. And they have this new drug called Nuplazid that affects a different part of the brain so it doesn't make people as sleepy as they used to be. And it gives them a better chance to be more alert and clear thinking um, in other ways, but handle and um, eliminate those hallucinations that the people might have. So just know that if you see things like that, if you're hearing them uh, talk about smells or sights or or um, seeing things that are actually not there, absolutely let your doctor know. There are different ways that we, that they can address those issues and be much more um, on target with the symptoms that you're trying to deal with. Other big issues... And no matter how you slice it, it will happen eventually. Incontinence. Incontinence can be a really tough thing. And and we see it, quite honestly, in the early mid-stage to late mid-stage becoming an issue. Um, people not being able to control their bowels. Do not call adaptive clothing underwear, things like that, diapers, do not, or I will fire you from being my caregiver nation. No, no, no. 
We call those depends. We call it a, a, a adult protective clothing. Call it anything but that. They are not children, and this isn't a situation of them wetting the bed like a six-year-old might. This is a situation of, of their... Um, their urinary tract getting too full or being too loose. And you could always talk to a urologist to try to help with that or just put pads down on chairs so that when they sit down, they don't ruin the chair. If um, if they were – if it were a cloth thing and it went through their pants and got on the chair, it stinks. It, it, it gets worse over time and you'll end up having to – get rid of the chair. So get them the adult protective clothing, um, get them the Depends, put plastic down on their chair in the in the dining room, put it on the chair that they sit in in the living room, get those big um, pads that you can get those at Bed Bath & Beyond or Target or probably Costco, any place like that, and put those on their bed and make sure it covers the whole bed. And that will help. Uh, then the worst thing that you would have to deal with is their clothes and maybe the the um, top sheet or the comforter that is covering them if it gets wet. No, you, we, we can't get around the incontinence issue. It It just happens with just about everybody that has a dementia disease. So be prepared for it. Be watching for it. Smell if they if they smell like maybe they wet their pants. They probably have. Um, try and get them to the bathroom about twenty minutes after they have had a big drink or had a big meal or something like that to try to eliminate some of the issues around that and having to change them constantly and things like that. But just have that extra layer for them so that. You're not having to do a lot of cleanup, and they're not embarrassed about what has happened. A couple of other things that you can look for are swelling, any part of the body. Check hands and feet. You know, I uh, had a client recently that was telling me that her dad, well, her father-in-law, her husband's dad, um, has severe swelling in his hands. And uh, this was just a couple nights ago. And I said to them, you need to get him checked for gout. Gout can be a really difficult thing. And it can be caused by too large of an intake of salt. And it can also be, I don't know the real cause of it. I'm not an expert in the gout area. But people get it when they eat seafood. Um fish, shrimp, things like that. So if they are swelling up um, to a degree where you can really see it, their hands look fat, their feet look fat, it, it could be gout. And talk to your general practitioner about things that you can do to uh, keep that from happening. Generally, it is from food intake. So changing their diet um, and trying to really look 
closely at what could be causing it. What did they eat in the last couple of days that could have caused them to swell up like that? Those are difficult things. Um, and of course, you know, just the stuff you already know, coughing, sneezing, wheezing, uh, signs of respiratory congestion, difficulty breathing. Are they asthmatic? Have they always had bronchitis? Uh, where are you in the world that things like this happen? Like I uh, lived in the Midwest growing up and um, in Illinois and Iowa and Missouri and those kind of states, um, there is a, a pretty huge amount of bronchitis because of the wetness of the area, how often it rains and how cold it is and and things like that. And so, um, you know, pay attention to those things that are uh, more active in your area. Um, I think in the in the West where I live in Colorado, we have a lot more dryness. We have more sinus issues and and things like that. We have less asthma because we don't have that wet climate. We're very dry and arid. So it's really important that we drink a lot of fluids and keep um, moisture on our bodies and stay out of the sun and stuff like that. But um, in other areas of the country and other areas of the world, you know what kind of allergies and and um, respiratory congestion and things like that are predominant in your area. So check for those kinds of things because they can turn into pneumonia and much more serious issues if not treated quickly. So, you know, just questions to ask yourself. Uh, did the person have a minor fall? Um has she had any bowel movement in the last 72 hours? Has he had a recent change in medication? Um, are they suddenly not moving an arm or a leg? Are they wincing in pain? Do they have other health problems? Do they have a cold? What's going on? Just investigate all this and determine it as best you can. And don't feel like you have to make that decision. Um, consult a doctor. We're going to take a short break. And we'll be right back. Living and working with Alzheimer's and other dementias can often be challenging. Summit Resilience Training provides education, utilizing non-medical approaches for those who work with our friends affected by dementia. Believing families still need one-on-one -on -one assistance, we provide classes which help them understand the diseases affecting their loved ones, offering strategies and techniques for success with activities of daily living and working with confusing behaviors. We offer in-home assessments to clarify symptoms of dementia diseases and help families work together to find moments of joy while living with memory loss and impairment. Education programs instilling person-centered care philosophies are offered for professional caregivers working in communities and homes, which can be customized for their staff. Training is also available for first responders, such as law enforcement, fire, and EMT personnel. We are passionate that people with dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and others, are approached with compassion and understanding, and those who work with them have all the tools they need for success. Call us at Summit Resilience Training, 303-420-6988, to schedule a class or in-home assessment. 
Visit our website at summitresiliencetraining.com for more information. Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Okay, so we're talking today about looking at your person, assessing if they're having any problems in addition to whatever dementia they have. And I tried in the first half to give you a lot of different things to think about of ways to look at them and assess them, smell them, you know, check their body for for swelling, all kinds of things, okay? But one of the bigger things is if they're losing weight. If they're losing more than 10 pounds, something else could be seriously wrong. And you need to have a doctor determine why that weight loss is occurring. Anybody who has 10% of their weight loss needs to be seen by a doctor as soon as possible. Even if they are overweight and they could have used to lose 10 pounds, <laughs> that's not for you to determine. Um, call a doctor. Find out what's going on. If they're dieting, that's a different subject. Move on. You know what I'm talking about here. What about if you're trying to assess pain? Like really, really assess pain. Because Alzheimer's disease doesn't cause pain. And vascular dementia rarely causes pain. They don't typically have pain from anything else. Okay? But people with Alzheimer's or vascular, Lewy body, whatever it is, they do have like stomach and abdominal cramps. They can have constipation. They can have pressure sores somewhere on their body. They can have bruises and cuts and sores and rashes and all kinds of stuff. And that could be due to poor hygiene, not washing themselves, um, sore teeth or gums, their clothes aren't fitting well, they're too tight or they're too loose, um, things like that. Medication. Uh, if you have somebody that is on Aricept and they suddenly have stomach issues, they have diarrhea, they seem really, really angry, they're tearful, it's probably the Aricept. Aricept has historically had a pretty good history or a big history of people being sick from it. And so if that happens, typically they'll put you on Namenda, which is easier on your stomach and your gastric system. It doesn't cause as much gas. It doesn't cause bloating. It doesn't make you uncomfortable. And unfortunately, Aricept, for whatever benefits it does have, can make people have diarrhea and really, really bad stomach cramps. Almost as though if you were like a lactose intolerant person and you drank whole milk and an hour later you're doubled over in pain or you're in the bathroom just about to cry because you ate this and now your stomach is so upset, it's that same thing. But remember... They may not be able to tell you. 
they might not be able to explain to you that they grabbed the milk out of the refrigerator or that that drug that you're, you just have started giving them is upsetting their stomach. They probably wouldn't know. How would they know? They wouldn't even need the drug if they knew. So you've got to watch those things and, and watch them from the beginning. If you start giving anybody a new medication, pay attention to any changes you see and take them seriously. There's there's always been issues with medications not working well with another medication. Um, sometimes you have to ask a pharmacist about stuff like that, um, and they can guide you as best as they can. But don't let that stuff slide because it can it can exa- um what's that word ex- uh, exasperate or something like that uh, to even worse problems. I I swear you guys I have been overwhelmed with a lot of clients lately. And I myself have had to like take a minute. The other day, my husband walked into the house. <laughs> I can't even believe I'm admitting this to you guys because, it, you know, I, I don't have dementia. I don't have Alzheimer's or anything. But I started getting phone calls at 8 o'clock in the morning. As soon as my office opens, Bam, the phone's ringing. And I didn't even know what time it was. My husband walked in the house at 5.15. And I just looked at him so completely exasperated. And we have these bar stools by our breakfast bar. I just put my head down. I'm like, I'm so brain dead. I can't think. I honestly don't want to talk to another person today. And he said, oh, shoot. Um, we're going to the Optimist Club tonight. I'm speaking at the Optimist, and you said you'd go with me. <laughs> I was like, you're going to have to put my coat on me. You're going to have to put me in the car. You're going to have to order my food. When I got there, I looked at the waitress, and I said, I want Crown and Cokes and keep them coming. I swear to God. So if imagine if I'm that way. <laughs> And I'm not having any cognitive issues. I have to laugh at myself. If I don't laugh at myself, I'd scream. I seriously need to hire somebody. I mean, I'm to a place where I'm just overwhelmed and I blame this all on my husband who uh, mentioned to me the other day, he said, do you think you are overextended? And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, like, are you busy all day, every day? Oh, yeah. Yes. I'll bet you a couple of days a week I don't even get something to eat. If, I, if I'm if i lucky, if I can have breakfast and jump in the shower really quick, I get something to eat. But lunch goes by the, the, by the wayside. And um, I always look forward to the days that I come into the studio because I can stop at a Starbucks and grab a little something and try to eat it. Now, imagine if I had some type of cognitive impairment or memory loss and wasn't able to say, I'm completely overextended. I don't feel well. My brain hurts. I have a headache. My stomach's upset. I'm sick of having people around right now, and I don't even know why. Could you even imagine that? Could you Could you put yourself in the place of a person with a diagnosis who can't express the things I was trying to tell my husband? 
No. So, so think about those kinds of things because when we see that worsening behavior, when we see the moaning or the shouting or the refusal to do something or no, I don't want to go here or there or the restlessness, all of those are signs of pain. And if they can't tell you whether or not they're in pain, you're going to have to have a doctor search for the reason for it. Okay? So I I don't know why exactly I shared my little example there, but trying to just give you an analogy of how we get overextended, how we maybe don't get enough to drink, we're not hydrated enough, we have a headache, we're, we're just feeling like, Oh, I can't take another second of the day. I'm not going to take one more phone call, whatever it is. And then put yourself in the situation of a person who cannot express what they're feeling. And especially if they're not feeling well. Now, I want to go back to falls. I'm going to go to a couple of things I talked to earlier because they're important. So people with dementia will sometimes become clumsy. They'll fall out of bed. They'll bump into things. They'll trip over things. They cut themselves. We don't think really that's a big issue. We don't think it's, you know, serious for a lot of reasons because it just looks like it's a minor injury. It doesn't look like they broke anything. Um, We maybe just think, oh, I caught them when they fell. They didn't break anything. I don't have to worry about it. If they fall, they may not say what they hit their head on or or that they slipped and their feet went out from under them. They fell on their hip or something like that. They might not even remember it if it happened when you weren't home. And even if it did happen and you were there, you might not think it was as serious a fall and they seem like they were okay. And then five days later, we see them moaning. We see them crying. They're having trouble getting up out of a chair. They're not walking quite right. They're limping and we're wondering what happened. So as soon as you can, you need to get them checked out. Take them to the doctor. Take them to the ER. Don't Don't call an ambulance if you don't have to. They are expensive. You call an ambulance, it's going to cost you $2,000 right out the gate. Man, things have gone up in prices. Um, But if you think that person is falling a lot, check them for cuts and bruises and blisters. All those can be caused by accidents. Um, If they are pacing a lot, or they are uncomfortable in their clothing. Those are those are things that could cause them to fall, like pants slipping off of them, their shoes not fitting properly. Um, maybe you have slick floors and you need to get them some slippers that have rubber on the bottom so they don't fall. A lot of changes in behaviors happen when people fall, they have an injury, and we don't know about it, all right? So take those seriously. People are people with dementia are going to fall. 
They're going to hurt themselves. We try to mitigate that damage by helping them to the ground or using gate belts and things like that. But I would check your person daily if you work outside of the home, if if they are alone by themselves for hours on end or days at a time. Every time you come over, check them and see if there's any swelling anywhere, if there's any bruises anywhere, and make note of it and let a doctor know. Now, I've had another client here recently that had ulcers. And ulcers can be pressure sores or they can be um, in your stomach. So pressure sores, ulcers like that, they develop when a person's sitting too long or when they're laying down for long periods of time. Uh I think we probably saw a lot of this more when people when we were in the COVID and people were home and laying in bed or sick with COVID for days on end. Um, pressure sores can be caused by really tight clothing. They can also be caused by poor nutrition, them just not eating the right foods, eating fried foods. Uh, trans fats, um, things that are just fatty altogether, uh, they can make people sick. I've noticed recently that because I went on a diet and I uh, lost some weight, I lost 40 pounds, I feel really terrible if I eat something with sugar in it. I can feel it the next day. So you so think about those kinds of things. Think about what could cause someone to swell up, what could cause someone to feel sick and lay in bed. And what does a pressure sore look like? They're red. They're red and they can develop into open sores and they can bleed. They're usually over bony areas, heels and hips and shoulders and shoulder blades and your spine and your elbows your knees, your butt, your ankles, stuff like that. And if if a person has really poor nutrition, they can have fragile skin. And fragile skin can tear and bleed and bruise. And even if you're just trying to wash them, you know, with like um, a sponge bath or in the shower or something, you might see that uh, that person is bleeding when you wash them. These are serious issues. And like I said, really, really, really look over uh, the whole body for red spots, bruises, and especially on those bony areas. And if any reddening at all appears, make sure that person isn't laying on that spot. Watch them when they're sleeping. Make sure they don't roll over and lay on that place because if they continue to turn on the, that side, um, the sores can get bigger and worse and really bad. You might need to have a visiting nurse company or something like that come and address it and try to get it to heal and and whatever you need to do, okay? So those are things that you really, really have to look at and try to address. 
and reposition them. Don't let them sit in a in the same chair where they get comfortable and sit on the same side or just flat. Have them turn on one side or turn on the other side so that we can keep those things at bay because people that have dementia are at risk of not being able to move as well as they used to. They can become bed-bound or chair-bound, and you've got to look at these things and say, hey, I'm going to have to be responsible now to move this person from one side to the other every couple of hours so this doesn't happen. Because once it happens, it is hard to deal with. It is hard to make it well. And you can get like these flotation cushions that a person can sit on. They uh, they have them at like medical supply stores, and they're really good because they're kind of watery in it. In it, and it um, they they have liquid of some type in it where you can move them from side to side, and and as they're sitting on it, it it makes them move a little bit. Those things are great. You can get air cushions, water cushions, gel pads, foam pads. Any combination of any of that, make sure they're soft, make sure they have washable covers. Um, That way you don't have to worry about, you know, if they spill anything on it or if they wet on it or anything like that. And it won't keep the odor there forever and ever, amen, right? So think about those kinds of things. And you can also get heel and elbow pads. And these are made of like a fleece-like material that's super, super soft. And they can protect the bony areas like your elbows. You can put them on your shoulders. Um, And they're wonderful. They are wonderful. So I talked a lot about the dehydration, but I just want to drive this home. People that have a dementia disease can't care for themselves, and they don't watch for the signs of dehydration. And the signs are vomiting, diarrhea, you know, having heart problems. They are thirsty or they might refuse to drink. It could cause them to have a fever. It could cause them to be flush so their face is all red. They could have a rapid pulse like I was talking about. Um, so you have to pay attention to this. You can't let their mouth get dry. You can't let their skin get dry. If you do and they get that inelastic skin, they're going to get dizzy. They're going to get lightheaded. They're going to have tears. They could have more confuse, confusion. They could have more hallucinations. And it's just really important that you pay attention to that so that we don't have worse issues. And you wouldn't think that lack of hydration would be such a big deal, but my friends, it is. It is. So pay attention. Now, what if they get constipation? What if they can't go to the bathroom? Why would that be a big deal? Well, because if you don't have a bowel movement every two or three days, you're going to get backed up. And that is uncomfortable. It's painful. And it can absolutely make their confusion worse. 
They can have their bowel impacted. I mean, oh, man, you don't want to go there. And if it gets completely blocked and they're unable to push that waste out of their body, you're going to end up in a situation where they're going to be in the hospital having part of their bowel removed, like diverticulitis and stuff like that. And uh, that will not benefit anybody. Things to look for in those cases are, do they have dentures that are fitting poorly? Or do they have a toothache? What's aggravating their diet that is causing this constipation? Are they eating bad foods? Are they not getting enough iron? Are they not physically active? If we're not physically active, our bowel is less active. And that's a problem. And sometimes drugs and supplements and things like that can cause constipation that makes it a thousand times worse. So people that have dementia can't always keep track and can't always tell you, but you can check. You can go in after they've gone to the bathroom and oftentimes they'll forget to flush anyway and just look and see if you notice any smell from from a bowel movement or not. Uh, if they haven't had, you've got to pay attention to those kind of things. If they're eating, and they do, sweets, cakes, cookies, stuff like that, that can cause it. And that happens all the time. That happens all the time. And people don't want you, <laughs> I was saying, you know, look and see if they if they've taken a bowel movement or if you can smell anything. Well, people don't like that, of course, you know. They, that's so private. I mean, that's such a invasion of somebody's privacy. But you do need to try to keep track of that. I mean, I know that that is something <laughs> we would consider enormously distasteful trying to figure out somebody else's bowel movements and things like that. That it, it, even, it even sounds ridiculous to me. But if you don't pay attention, that person's going to start showing you bloating issues, gas issues, anger issues. And it is so much easier just to keep track of that person's bowel movements, you just ask them, did you, right as soon as they've gone to the bathroom, did you have a bowel movement? Just tell me and I won't go in and look. I, I'll try not to invade your privacy, but try to pay attention because if you can manage this, you're going to be so much better off than if you don't. And the only way to fix it from a homeopathic kind of thing is to get over the over-the-counter laxatives and I don't recommend that at all because then if they have, if they have diarrhea, you're going to have a whole lot worse problem. So think about these things, people. I tell you, I try and save you. I try to save you. So if you know they're not having a bowel movement, try to give them half their body weight in water. Give them juices like orange juice. Uh, increase the amount of vegetables they're getting. 
um, give them fruits, prunes, and apples, and give them a little bowl of cereal. Cereal will do that, whole grain cereals, bran, and um, breakfast cereals like that have a tendency to help with that kind of thing. Salads, beans, nuts, granolas, uh, whole grain nuts and cereals and breads and stuff like that um, can help get that push through somebody's body and kick that through again. Okay. If worse comes to worse, you could use something like Metamucil. Uh, it has no taste. If anybody has ever had to have a colonoscopy, it's a great idea to use Metamucil with the that nasty medicine they give you because Metamucil has no taste and it can mix with Gatorade and some other things and that will help enormously. But try not to do that unless you ask a doctor about it. Don't give them Metamucil because they will be in the bathroom letting it all fly. And how much should you give them on any given day? Well, these are kind of weird things to talk about today, but I always try to look at what you're dealing with in your home. What are you struggling with? And I would bet that at least 90% of you are having struggles with things I talked about today. So it always uh, behooves me to try to, to, you know, find those minutia things that seem like they wouldn't be such a big deal, but boy, do they turn into a big deal. So keep this podcast, star it, put it in your favorites, and pay attention when your person is struggling. The things I talked about today are things I have been dealing with my clients with for the last couple of months, and I've seen more and more of it. I'm teaching more and more classes on it and trying to help people understand how incredibly important it is to address these issues, to be vigilant about it, to be mindful, to be watchful, and and make notes. Keep a log of we, we started a new medication. We're going to see over the next couple of days, if we have any symptoms like I've just said, or uh, they've been eating a lot of sweets and crap and stuff like that, and they're not feeling well, or they took a fall and I have to watch for breaks and injuries. Okay, my friends, I hope this helps. I love you all out there in my caregiver nation, and I will see you next week on Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. been listening to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. To learn more about her resources, services, classes, or to book speaking engagements, visit Jill's website at summitresiliencetraining.com. A new podcast drops every Tuesday, so join us as we learn more about dementias, resilience, and overcoming obstacles to find a positive outcome. Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz can be found on your favorite podcast provider. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Musical and technical support provided by Brian Hunter. See you next week.